Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious. In American ministry culture, urban is the word we use to describe ministry to people of color, people impacted by poverty, hip-hop culture, resource-deprived inner-city neighborhoods, or all of the above. And while these distinctives aren't necessarily bad, they are very different, and none of them are really tied to the definition of the adjective urban. You're listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. This month is Black History Month, and here at Christian Curious, we've devoted the first three weeks to hearing more about ministry to people of color and marginalized populations. Joining us today is Dr. Felix Gilbert, the director of the Urban Initiative at Denver Seminary and pastor of Restoration Christian Fellowship Church in Aurora, Colorado. Also with us is Pastor Minister Nichelle West, Urban Initiative Community Liaison and Minister at Rising Star Missionary Baptist Church. At the top, I mentioned the distinction between urban ministry and what we actually mean when we use that term. And one of our previous guests mentioned that the term urban may not be as useful anymore, especially in the Denver metro area with the process of gentrification. So you both work with the Urban Initiative at Denver Seminary. Do either of you encounter this confusion associated with the term urban in your work? Yes, we do. Um, For me, I'm agreeing with your previous guest, right, that the term has really changed Mm -hmm. because urban is not what urban was back in the day. I remember when I first relocated to Denver, um, you would go to what we would call urban Denver, downtown Denver in the city proper, and it was densely populated with blacks, um, with black communities, um, marginalized people, people um, that could not fend for themselves, if I may use that. Now with this whole gentrification issue, it's like there is a new urban. And so if a person has the framework that I'm going to minister in the urban context, uh, it's not what they thought it was. Um, The way I look at it is that what we traditionally defined as, as urban has relocated. And so urban centers are not necessarily in the downtown areas where they were. They have moved more to um, our city centers, more into, like, say, Aurora, mm-hmm. um, the Green Valley areas, um, Colfax's. It, it's, it's relocated. So people wanting to minister within an urban context have to go into a completely different place. So, like, what we do at Denver Seminary with the Urban Initiative, it's not downtown Denver. It's, um, you know, yeah. so I, I, interestingly enough, question churches that says, we are starting an urban ministry and we're going to plant a church in the urban context. If you see what it really looks like, it really looks like you've moved your suburban ministry into downtown Denver because your target demographic is not what authentic, original urban people used to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nichelle, what about you? Yeah, I'm agreeing with uh, Dr. Gilbert. Yeah. Uh, the term urban has definite, definitely, well, I say the the term urban is the same, but the characteristics of the city in which was previously classified as urban have changed. The demographics have changed. Um, The population has changed and shifted. And we see that even in Aurora, 
There's more diversity. There's um, more uh, culture. And the term urban is like a euphemism for African-American culture. That's right. That's right. 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 So when we look at Aurora, we see African-American culture. We see the community. We see the culture. We see the art and all of that so forth. So, um, yeah, it's definitely changed. Yeah, so when we use the term urban, we often mean people of color, black communities. And um, I remember, wow, it's almost 10 years ago now, I was a very young um, graduate professor. And one of my students had been ministering in South Central LA for 25 years. And he had written a a hip-hop Bible. And he used the term urban and hip-hop synonymously, which may have been true back then in L.A. um, and in the community that he served in. But that's not what we that's not necessarily the terms that we should be using to describe ministry to people of color. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, And like we're saying, it's because of this whole concept of gentrification. Right. We've shifted the location of where people lived where they once lived in the downtown areas, in the city centers, the locations have moved. And so um, the locations we defined as urban are no longer populated by urban people. Right. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. It's different. So what would be a better way to describe these types of ministries then? I think if the ministries are honest with themselves, and, and, and let me just say, I don't know what the proper description would be, mm-hmm. but I would think if the ministries are honest with themselves and, and want to do effective ministry within an urban context, they've got to be willing to relocate, okay? Um, decide where they really want to be. Um, at, let me just go here, right? So you'll have like a suburban white church that says we want to go into the urban context and minister to urban people, and, and the assumption is we want to minister to black people, we want to minister to marginalized people, mm-hmm. we want to minister to people of varying colors, but then they'll set up a church in a place that's very comfortable for them within these urban centers, like, for example, downtown Denver, um, you know, Lawrence Street, Larimer Street, where the high-rises are filled with non-blacks. It's all white. It looks like your comfort zone, but if you were to say, Hey, the urban center has located. It's now on Mississippi and Sable in Aurora. Oh, my gosh, that's dangerous. I'm not going there. I'm not. Well, that's where urban is. Mm -hmm. That's where urban has located. And that's where the ministry is needed. That's where the ministry is needed. So I would challenge the definition. I mean, you you can say, okay, rightfully the adjective urban, right? From the the definitionary, on the dictionary's definition is city center. So yes, you are there. Yes, you are there. But what's the real intent, right? Mm -hmm. Is it to really serve marginalized people? Is it really to serve the underprivileged? Or is it just to be comfortable and to move your location where your people have moved to? And if you're really serious about helping the less fortunate, then how about trying to go where the urban centers have shifted to, um, where the cultures have shifted to, and help solve problems and help meet needs and help do the work that needs to be done there. Yeah. It's a different challenge. Yeah. Um, Michelle, you have thoughts to add to that? Yeah, I really, I don't know how these other ministries can better describe themselves. I've been thinking about that. But I think that I have to agree once more and again that you have to look at the demographics that you're trying to reach mm-hmm. and go to where those demographics are in order to reach them. Yeah, that's great.
So you both ground your ministry in the scriptures that say God is concerned with the, the poor and the marginalized. And anyone who has spent any time in the scriptures know that yeah. that's, you know, deep in the heart of God. Yeah. Concern for the poor, concern for the needy, concern for the widow. Um, I'm curious to know what scriptures have been most important to you as you've worked yeah. um, with these populations. Yeah. For me, that Luke 4 passage comes to the mind, right, where Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring the gospel, the good news to the poor, um, the blind, to set the captives free, to set at liberty those that are bound. That's been my driving passage. That's the thing that set me free because to me, that's a redefinition of what ministry was at the time when Jesus quoted that scripture. So if you were to go historically back in time, here it is, um, Jesus shows up on the scene, and you have to realize what church looked like at the time, right? It mm -hmm. was people, let's say, rabbis, Jews, just coming together for a great worship experience, my term, singing nice kumbayas in the nice circle, and just having a great time. Nobody was threatened. I, I like to say when I look at that passage, no one was being healed, no ministry was being done. It was just church as usual. And then Jesus comes on the scene, having been raised in their midst, and all of a sudden he says, this is after he had fasted for 40 days in the wilderness, he comes and he challenges traditional church. He says, listen guys, we can't just keep doing things the way we've been doing it. There's a people group out there that needs this good news. There's a people group out there that God has sent me to reach. And he uses, he, he, he challenges them that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and I'm anointed to go do these things. And then he says this interesting statement at the end of that uh, message, right? Today, the scripture has been fulfilled mm -hmm. in your midst. Wow. That's yeah. the challenge for the church today is that if we're gonna realize Jesus's true purposes for entering the earth, we've gotta be willing to go to the least of these. We, we must be willing to go to the less fortunate. We must be willing to go where those people are. And if they have been relocated as a result of gentrification, and if they're no longer in what we traditionally call our urban centers, we must develop the courage like Jesus to go to where the hurting are, to go to where the, the drug addicts are, to go to where the single moms are, to go to where people that are on welfare. We must be willing to go to those places mm -hmm. and engage them and present the love of God. So that drives me, and so for me, our ministry is located right there. We go there, and, and people will say to me all the time, why are you guys located in, in, in this difficult place? I'm like, that's the call. That's right. the call. It's easy in the burbs, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it's, it's non-threatening. I can be comfortable, but I don't know that I'm called to be comfortable. I don't know that. And that's just me. Others may have different callings. There's nothing wrong where you at. But the thing that drives me is that Luke 4 passage that says this is where it is. And, and we just made the commitment to go be there and do that. We've yeah. done that. To be that presence in that community. Yes. To be the presence of God in the community um, to help those people that really need it. Yeah. Yeah. So as I think about the scriptures, I think about Matthew 25, as he mentioned, um, go and do unto the, the least of these. And so when Jesus, uh, basically it's a parable, but when he was speaking this, he says, um, for when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And yet when I was a stranger, yeah. you invited me in. 
And so when we talk about the marginalized people, a lot of times they feel alienated and strangers in, the, in this world. And so um, we got to be willing to do what, what Jesus wants us to do, to reach those types of people, to minister to them, to be the presence of God in the, in, in, in the earth. Um, and so, um, yeah, that, that's really a big one, even with my own church, of being, being God to, those pe to our people. Well, I, I say our people because yeah. it's... I it's have an us. insider perspective, that's right, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're one of us, and you're one of them, and you that's get right. it. That's and right. We're called to do it. That's right. That's it. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I have learned is I have worked with pastors who um, who serve in these areas: um, Aurora, Green Valley Ranch, um, areas where um, people of color, people who struggle with um, uh, poverty, people who are marginalized, otherwise marginalized. Um, when I speak to pastors, one of their big frustrations, or I would say even the heart sickness, something that they're very heart sick over, is how the suburban communities who might have access to um, more funds and more finances often send their money overseas and fail to see the need right you know, two miles down the road yeah. in a poor community. Yeah, yeah. This, this is the challenge of engaging black churches in foreign missions, right? You will see most suburban churches being involved in foreign missions, but you will go to look to the black pastor and say, hey, we want to take a mission teams to Africa, and they'll say this, Africa's in my backyard. Yeah. They'll say that. Africa's in my backyard, right? Um, Africa's in my congregation. Africa is in my neighborhood. So how dare me overlook my neighborhood and go to a distant location, right? Um, because I think we miss the um, Acts 1 passage beginning in Jerusalem. And for suburbia, Jerusalem looks okay on the surface, right? And right. so we feel because it's okay, I can go far. But in urban context, Jerusalem does not look okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jerusalem looks broken. Jerusalem looks like it needs help. And then to try to get those people to engage and to go remotely and overlook where they're called, it's, it's very, very challenging. So interestingly enough, it, it creates a divide between the suburban and the urban because the people that are blessed with resources seems to overlook the people in their backyard that could Absolutely. use the resources to help strengthen the community and that creates an unnecessary divide. So I think that's something that the church needs to work through and to figure out how do we resolve that issue. Yeah. I love that image of drawing the uh, parallel between, you know, beginning in Jerusalem and how from suburbia, if we're going to use urban and yeah. suburban context, yeah. um, from suburbia, Jerusalem looks okay, yeah. so we can go out. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you're urban, yeah. it doesn't look it okay. It doesn't look okay, exactly. It's not okay. That's a great image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, things are wrong in your backyard and you have to fix it. Yeah, you get it. Right. Yeah. So what would you say are some of the things that are wrong in these communities? What are the, the young adults and people in particular really struggling with right now that they need the most help with from churches? Sure. Go for it, Michelle. So I wanted to make a comment on that last uh, question okay. you asked. Um, I think that the, the mission thing is, a, is really a symptom of our relationships here in America. Um, we have people that look different than us, that think different than us, um, that are culturally different than us, that we continually overlook um, 
there there are like even in schools and in our own work environments we see people that are different than us but do we invite them to our dinner table do we invite them to become friends to um, grow deeper with them in connection and so um, I think a lot of that is missing um, the willingness to step outside of our own box our own homogeneous environments and engage with those who are outside of those yeah challenging it's good it's great thank you it's good good you talk about things that are missing right um, um, with especially with young adults and other demographics access to resources so when you are beginning life from a posture of poverty, you're always fighting and struggling and trying to get ahead. So a good education, you started life not having a good education or access to good educational resources, for example, mm -hmm. right? So the desire to go to college and the ability to pay for college, that's impeded, that's impacted, right? So imagine being able to invest resources there. Um, here's another big one, financial management. When you have to live from one slice of cheese to the next slice of cheese and you mm -hmm. don't have excess money to pay rent, to pay bills, to pay things like that, right? You don't learn money management skills where in suburbia you start off from a different position. Um, everything is well taken care of, so on and so forth. And so you grow up not learning how to manage your money. So imagine being able to teach young adults and to teach people how to manage their financial resources, um, education, financial resources. Those are some critical things. Those are because you'll find in that context because a lot of that, uh, those opportunities are not f afforded to those young adults and to those individuals, the cycle continues, right? The cycle continues and only those that are fortunate enough to maybe get a grant or, or whose parents early in life decided to make a difference for their households then those young adults are reaping the benefits of that. But the cultural norm is just not that, is that you're starting where your parents are struggling, where your families are struggling, trying to make it. Then you see that all your life, and, and you're, you find yourself in that same predicament. So when you talk about sharing resources, if suburbia can start to invest into better education, right, um, better fiscal management, better homes, parenting skills, things like that, to help these young adults today be better parents, they in turn can reach back and begin the process of breaking the cycle. Yeah. Start doing that. So what would be a good example of how churches for more affluent areas could be able to invest in, um, in areas where, that we're speaking of? Yeah. What are, mm -hmm. and, and to people like this that yeah. struggle financially, that have grown up in poverty, what are ways that the church can uniquely step into that because um, I know that um, many might say oh well you know government assistance programs and I've long been opposed to thinking that that churches thinking that okay the government's gonna cover it so we're off the hook I think that the churches should be doing a lot more that the government is actually yes. doing yes. so what would that look like for yeah, churches? sure sure I'm gonna put you on the spot Okay, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I I'm agreeing with that statement wholeheartedly that the church should be the solution, not the mm -hmm. governmental agencies. So take a person like yourself, Dr. Haley, right? Right. Imagine uh, if you were to take your skills 
And as opposed to being in a place of complacency in the burbs, I'm not saying that you are, because you like a sister underneath all that stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> so imagine if you were to bring your resources and say, I want to work with an urban church. I want to work with some struggling young adults and give them life skills. And I want to bring my education and my training and all that stuff, and I'm going to partner, call it collaborative partnership, with a church in the city where you're struggling to train um, people in life skills and, you know, how you equip yourself. And then once a month, you come in and hold a class in an urban context. It's really that simple. It's yeah. not so much about financial resources and all that stuff. It could be maybe there's a banker that's a bank president in suburbia that can say, I will hold financial management workshops. Or maybe there's a corporate exec that can say, I will come into your church and I will equip people. Um, people are dying for those opportunities. Yeah, They're dying for those trainings. I mean, you're at Denver Seminary. I'm at Denver Seminary, right? And imagine the resources of the seminary by way of uh, the professors to go into the urban context. This is what Nichelle and I are endeavoring to do. This is what we do right now, right. to come and equip church leaders, to come and equip pastors, um, and not this astronomical cost associated with the education, but to give back, to give back. And, and, and when we're saying give back, don't attach financial dollars to it. It's just time resources, right? People resources to offer back to the community to help transform the community. Don't just leave it on the local leaders within the urban context to do that work. Come alongside and say, let's yeah. do this together. Let's hold each other's hand. I think those are some, that's a, a few simple examples that can be used. Yeah. Mentoring, mm -hmm. mentoring, right? Coming in and mentoring our young boys and young girls and helping them to make better choices in life. Uh, we've got to overcome those fears to be able to do that within our ministries and context. Yeah, yeah I, I am familiar with um, a few churches who have built life centers. Yes. They may have their physical church body within the, a suburban affluent context, but then they have life centers where they will provide a food pantry. Yeah. When taxes come around, they provide accountants. They provide um, lawyers to help people um, go through the process of immigration. Yes. And so that's another way that's for churches it. to that's providing it. a life center for uh, people to come with, you know, different uh, levels of expertise to come in and, and teach yes. life skills, yes. valuable life skills. Nichelle, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say also, in addition to everything that Dr. Gilbert said, I would say just looking for ways to create opportunities uh, for them to, to come up. So whether it's a job opportunity, whether it's um, a church opportunity or something like that, just creating opportunities, um, not only just creating mm -hmm. them, but making making the, the community leaders aware of these particular opportunities so that they can, you know, engage them. So participate, participate in, yes. in them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So... As we wrap up our time, I'd, I'd love to hear you tell the audience, what would you say, um, what would you like the audience to know about the marginalized people that you serve on a daily basis? What would you like them to, to know? I would like them to know that the marginalized people are very cognizant of their states of being marginalized. And they're not comfortable in the comfort, in the, to call that a cultural norm. They want help. They want out. They want it changed. And I would say if people would invest time and if God would prick their heart to say, 
Let me leave my comfort zone. Here's my scripture, right? Because today the scripture is fulfilled in your midst. Mm -hmm. And then to be moved to say, let me violate my cultural norm, forget my comfort zone, and find if it's a black church or a Hispanic church or a church or place of color, and volunteer. Maybe it's a pastor in suburbia to say, let me go in and make a difference. Um, they will receive open arms to say, come all day long. We'll take the help. Yeah. We'll see that. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. So I would say, as Pastor Brandon Washington has, um, he preached at our MLK prayer breakfast a couple weeks ago, and his message was very profound. The topic was, don't just see me, but be me. Mm. And so really that means is respond to my needs, respond to my welfare as you would respond to your own. The second greatest command is to love thy neighbor as thyself. And so we've got to find ways to continue to do that with these marginalized people, is to empathize with them, empathize with their struggles, empathize with their suffering, with their affliction and their marginalization. And so the ways in which we can do that is continue to engage them, continue to um, come into their communities um, well, with welcome, welcoming arms, I'm sure, and, um, and empathize with them and understand their struggles because suffering is universal. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, so many people listening may be struggling with their own sense of self-worth. And a lot of times we can be tempted to feel like we don't have the gifts or we don't have the expertise. And so if you're out there listening and you feel that way, I encourage you to um, reassess, reassess the giftedness that God has given you. Consider the expertise that you've been able to encounter and think about the communities um, near you that could utilize your level of expertise, your experiences, and how you can might maybe make a difference to someone in your own backyard. Minister West, Dr. Gilbert, thank you so much for being with me to here today. Thank you for your braveness in approaching the subject matter. Well, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you. God bless you both. You've been listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. Reach out to me anytime with your comments and questions at drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at christiancurious.org. Stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at her email, drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at ChristianCurious.org. You may also learn more by visiting the Christian Curious website, ChristianCurious.org. Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 KLTT.